You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Are you ready for the word this morning? I know I am. Let's just jump right on into this. This is week number seven in our series called Keys to Powerful Prayer. And as I've said all along, we're just taking our time and we're going to roll with this as the Holy Spirit leads and guides and directs us. And so the things that I have to talk to you about today, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know that the Holy Spirit dealt with me to share the things that we're going to talk about today with you. But let's take a moment and let's look at our foundation scripture, what we're basing this whole series on. And that's found in James chapter five and verse 16. I'm going to, as I have been every single week, read it from the New King James Version, the Amplified uh, Classic Version, and then the Passion Translation. And so the New King James says this, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And this is the phrase that I want to focus on from all three translations. And that is this, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified Bible in the classic says in that last phrase, the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And then the Passion Translation says this, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. And so as we've been saying every week, prayer is just simply communicating with your heavenly father, but it is the doorway for you and me to be able to enter into the power of God, which in turn allows the anointing and the power of God to flow into our lives to bring about change and to carry out the will, plan and purpose of God in our lives. And so we're going to take a look now this week as, as we began last week talking about the prayer of faith, we're going to begin diving into the other types of prayer. So join with me and look over in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Again, I'm going to look at some different translations, but verse 18 in the King James, New King James says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The easy to read version says this, pray in the spirit at all times, pray, now pay attention to this, pray with all kinds of prayer and ask for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready, never give up and always pray for God's people. Ephesians 6.18 in the NIV says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always and keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. And so what I want us to focus in on is Paul alludes to us here in Ephesians chapter six, that there is more than one 
type of prayer. Somebody said, well, pastor, I just thought prayer was prayer. Well, you know, you might've thought that, but the truth of the matter is there are different kinds of prayer and different rules apply to each kind of prayer that might be different from another type of prayer. You know, somebody said, well, I thought prayer was prayer and that was just it. Well, that's like saying, uh, I, th I thought sports were sports and all rules to sports are the same. And so you can play football by basketball rules and baseball by football rules. And of course we know that's not the case. There's rules and guidelines for each type of sport that comes under the category of sports. And so there are different principles and guidelines that the word of God gives us pertaining to the different kinds of prayer. And so that's what we're going to begin looking at this week in a more in-depth way. Goodspeed's translation of that verse says, use every kind of prayer and entreaty and at every opportunity pray in the spirit. And we're going to talk more about praying in the spirit a little later on in our series. But again, there's different rules and principles that apply to each kind of prayer. We're going to endeavor, of course, as I've been saying, we can't exhaust it. We can't get into everything. It would take weeks and weeks and months to cover prayer in depth. And then we still really wouldn't exhaust it. But let me let you hear this and understand this, and, and that is the most effective kind of prayer or type of prayer is the one that the Holy Spirit deems necessary at the moment. And so as I said to you last week, we always need to be led by the Holy Spirit in our times of prayer. And so I want you to know that the best type of prayer at the moment is the one that the Holy Spirit leads you to pray at that moment. You know, it's like the gifts or manifestations of the Spirit. Somebody says, well, which one is the best gift out of the nine gifts? Well, the best one, that best gift at the moment is the one that's needed. And the Holy Spirit is the one that leads and guides us in that and tells us how to pray and what to pray at that moment. And so it's very important that we follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, the first type of prayer we talked about last week, and that really was the prayer of faith, the prayer of petition, where we bring requests to God and we pray according to God's word found in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, where Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So I'm not going to rehearse again what the prayer of faith is. Please go back and, and uh, watch or listen to last week's lesson about the prayer of faith. And it's important to know you pray the prayer of faith in a specific way, different than you do some of the other types of prayer. And we're going to talk about that uh, today. So here's the second type of prayer. And the Holy Spirit really, as I was studying and preparing this, really focused in on this type of prayer for this particular lesson. And that is the prayer of consecration, the prayer of consecration. The, the con prayer of consecration is really the dedication of our lives to God's use and his will for our lives. So the prayer of consecration is where we're consecrating, dedicating ourselves to God's use and his will for our lives. Now I want to go 
and uh, look at some scriptures in Matthew 16, verses 21 through 25. And, and I want to say this to you. This is a very, very important type of prayer. And you're going to see how important it is. And really, Jesus mentioned it several times and, and demonstrated it for us. But in Matthew, the 16th chapter, in the 21st through the 25th verse, the scripture says this in verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now listen to what he's saying. You are an offense to me for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now I'm going to paraphrase this so that it, it brings a little light as far as what Jesus is getting ready to say and continuing his thought. And what Jesus said to Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. And listen, this is what he was really saying. You're, you are mindful of what you want to have happen and not what God wants to have happen. See, what, what Peter was trying to do was, and then he meant, well, he, you know, his heart was right, I suppose, but, but he was trying to get Jesus to not fulfill the will, plan, and purpose of God for his life. And Jesus, all of his life, had been committing himself to walk in the will of God. And so, and, and Jesus actually said this is satanic. In other words, to pursue after your desires, your wants, and what you want to have happen, and totally disregard what the will of God is in the situation, is definitely not from the Lord. And Jesus went on to call it and said, it's of the devil. And so let's go on and let's listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to his disciples, so he, he rebukes Peter harshly, <laughs> poor guy. And uh, he says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, Jesus is not referring to the physical act of getting on the cross and the physical death that he was going to experience on the cross. What he was saying to them is this, that the cross represents, and of course, on this side of the cross, they didn't fully understand what was going to happen. But the Jesus going to the cross was him fully denying himself. I mean, think about this. Jesus was a man. He was 100% God, but he was still 100% man. And I am quite sure he was not looking forward to going through the actual act of being crucified and dying and being separated from God, spiritually speaking, and being dead spiritually. He was not looking forward to that, but he knew that it was the will of God. And so if he was going to fulfill the will of God for his life, he was going to have to deny himself 
and choose to follow after God's plan. And so Jesus said it this way, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus is not telling you and me that we're going to have to go through the agony of the cross as he did. No, thank God he did it one time for everyone. What he's saying is you will have to go through the agony of denying yourself and pursuing after what you desire and make a decision to follow after him. Now listen to the promise that he makes in verse 25. He said, for whoever desires to save his life, or if I can say it this way, whoever desires to pursue after what he wants in life will ultimately lose. But whoever gives up his life, in other words, gives up what he wants in order to follow him for his sake, will find life. And so Jesus is saying it is very important that you and I realize that the life of a believer is going to be in a huge portion wrapped up in you and me making the decision to surrender what we want to what God wants. And, and the reason he likened it to the cross is because sometimes that is not fun. And uh, I'll, I'll expound on that in just a moment. Now, Jesus gives us a little more insight into this in Luke chapter 9 and verses 23 and 24. And he, he was saying the same thing, but he adds one little word that I want to show you. And that is this. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself what he wants, his desires, and take up his cross. Now, listen and underline this in your Bible. If you're looking at your paper Bible. Take up his cross daily and follow me. See, this is not a one-time decision. This is not a, a one-time decision that you make when you give your heart to Christ. Of course, in the moment, we want to follow after the will of God. We want to please God in whatever we're doing. But Jesus said that this is going to be a daily decision that we make to follow him. And so not only does the cross represent the place where Jesus paid the price for our redemption, but the cross is also the place where Jesus ultimately surrendered his will to the plan of the heavenly father. Now you might remember, and this is where the prayer of consecration comes in, where Jesus took the disciples to the garden of Gethsemane and they spent some time in prayer. I want to look now at Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 42. And it says this in verse 41. Now, this is where Jesus is hours from going to the cross. He is, has taken his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane for prayer, and they're spending time in prayer. And so uh, it says, and he was withdrawn, verse 41, from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed. Now, listen to what he prayed. Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So what this tells us is that Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He did not desire to go to the cross, but he surrendered his will to the will of the Father and went anyway. And uh, again, Matthew 26 and verse 44, same incident and, and situation. In verse 44, it says, so he left them, 
went away again and prayed the third time saying the same word. So Jesus went off in prayer and prayed three times the same prayer. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not as I will, but your will be done. So if Jesus was struggling at this moment, and I say struggling, mean he was, he was grappling with that decision to surrender his will to the will of the Father at this moment, and he had to pray this prayer three times in order to solidify it in his thinking, to solidify it in his heart that he was going to the cross, that he was going to obey God's plan for his life. And so it took him three times to pray this prayer. And surely if it took Jesus three times to pray that prayer, how many times do you and I need to pray it? How many times do, maybe three times in one day, maybe three times in one hour. That's how long or how many times he prayed it in one hour because he came back to his disciples and he said, could you not watch with me in prayer for one hour? So Jesus prayed that prayer three times within a short span of time. And so you and I are going to have to make a decision to take up our cross, to surrender to the will of God for our lives and to be willing to do that however often it takes. Now here's where the rules for the prayer of consecration differ from the prayer of faith. Number one is you never say in the prayer of faith if it is your will. You need to know, as we said last week, what the will of God is in the situation that you're praying about. In the prayer of consecration, it's okay to say, whatever your will is, Father, if it's your will for me to do this, whatever this might be, I'm going to pursue after what it is you want me to do. And so if can be included in the prayer of consecration and not in the prayer of faith. The other thing is, is as we said, you don't keep praying the prayer of faith over and over and over again, but you can, following the pattern that Jesus laid out for us, pray the prayer of consecration many times in one, one sitting of prayer, if you will, in one prayer time. And so if that's what's necessary, then that's what you're going to have to do. Now, here's what I want to do in talking about this. Let me show you a verse found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Now, it says this, and, and we've already looked at what Jesus did when he prayed the prayer of consecration. But in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now it says that he for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So what this tells me is that if we're going to follow Jesus model and his example, then we're going to have to know that there's a promise for us that will produce joy knowing that if we submit ourselves to the will of God, just as Jesus did, then there is going to be a reward and a blessing for that obedience. Now, what was the joy that was set before Jesus? Well, the joy that was set before Jesus was you and me, knowing that if he would go to the cross and follow through and submit himself to the plan of God, that it would produce and be, be able to cause 
salvation to be made available to every human being that would open their heart and receive it, including you and me. So Jesus, that brought him joy, knowing that he was getting ready to open the door for you and me to be able to have a relationship through him with the heavenly father. And so what I want you to see is, is that you need to know that there is a blessing. There is a promise on the other side of you surrendering to the will of God. Now, you might not be going to the cross to provide salvation for all of humanity, but you need to know that walking in the will of God is the best, safest, most blessed place that you can possibly be. Your full blessing and the depth of your relationship with God is on the other side of you surrendering your will to him. Now I want to show you James chapter four and verse seven that says this, and I'm going to use a different word, but it means the same thing as what we're talking about. James says this, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, a lot of times we get that scripture reversed. We want to resist the devil, watch him flee from us, and then we'll submit to God. Now, notice <laughs> that's not the way James said it. The submission to God comes first, then being able to resist the devil and seeing the devil flee from you. Now, James uses a different word than, than what the writers of the gospels used, quoting Jesus. He said this, he said, submit to God. Submit to God. What is submission? Well, I just looked in the dictionary. Submission in the dictionary is yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. Now, I want to say this to you. There is no submission until there is disagreement. Let me say that to you again. There is no submission to someone else in a higher authority until you disagree, or let me just be real plain, you don't want to do what is being asked of you or, or, or instructed for you to do. And so when it says that Jesus surrendered himself to the will of God, when he laid down his life, what he really did is submitted himself to the will, plan, and purpose of God. He didn't have a desire to go to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross, but he submitted his will to the will of the Father. Now, what God is, is asking you to do and the instructions he may be giving you as far as his will for your life may not be something that you readily want to do or have a strong desire to do. But here's what I know, that even in that moment when you don't have that desire to do it, if you will say, yes, Lord, anyway, then I know that the blessing and the desire for that are on the other side of that. And then, you know, a lot of times God's just wanting us to say yes to him. He's just wanting us to say, okay, Lord, do like Jesus did and say, not my will, but yours be done. And a lot of times, you know, God will prove you with, with a test like that. Now, God doesn't test with sin, sickness, disease, poverty, all those types of things. But what he does do is test you with his word 
to see if you're willing to obey and to do what he instructs you to do. Let me give you a great example. You know, a lot of times uh, we have trouble submitting to God where our finances are concerned because we don't want to. We know what it takes to live. We know what it takes to be able to take care of our needs and do some things that we want to do and so forth and so on. And when God tests us by saying, I need you to tithe and bring to me and honor me with the first 10th part of all that comes into your life, that's a test. And what God is willing, basically what he's after, and this is a whole nother sermon in itself, but he's really after your heart. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. Somebody says, well, I'll just give him my heart and not my money. No, you can't do that because Jesus said the two are attached. And so when you tithe and when you say, Lord, I, I don't see how I can make this work. I don't see how I'm going to be able to pay my bills, but because you asked me to do this, I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to surrender my will to you and what you have instructed me to do and not what I want to have happen in my life. And so submitting to God's will for your life really is this. It's where the depth of your relationship with God can be found. I would say, say to you this, your relationship with Jesus really cannot go any further than to the degree you're willing to surrender to him. And that's why it's so important that we don't have these little areas in our lives where we're holding it back from the Lord, withdrawing it from him because we're afraid he's going to uh, ask us to give something up or something along that line. No, just be willing to surrender your whole life to him, be willing to surrender your whole will to him. And as Jesus prayed, be willing to say, Lord or father, not my will, but yours be done. Now let's talk briefly about the third type of prayer. And that is the prayer of commitment. Now the prayer of commitment is a little different and you can pray this prayer multiple times, but the prayer of commitment is where we cast our cares upon the Lord in prayer. Now you need to understand something. Worry, anxiety, and stress are not the will of God for your life. I mean, and we're all guilty of it. And so let me read some scripture to you. First Peter chapter five, verses six and seven in the Amplified Classics say this, therefore, Humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Isn't that interesting that Peter connects humility and casting your cares over on the Lord, casting your worries and your anxieties and your concerns. Why is that? Because when we're worried and trying to carry the cares of this life, that's pride. That's really pride because we're trying to be our own God and solve everything ourselves instead of casting it over on the Lord 
and believing God for his wisdom and his direction and giving him an opportunity to step into that situation and to be able to move in your life. Listen to Psalm 55 and verse 22. The psalmist said this, cast your burden on the Lord. Same thing. And he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Now, I want to just help you understand what does this mean? Well, what this means is that when we're trying to carry the cares and the worries, and the anxieties of this life, we're cutting God off from being able to step in and move in those situations. Uh, and, and listen, here's the thing you need to understand about God. If you want to try and tackle it and handle it yourself, he'll let you and he'll stand right there. He'll let you and he'll watch you make a mess of things until you humble yourself and say, I, I can't handle this. I can't do this on my own. And, and, and let me say this to you. There is nowhere in the Bible where it says God will take your cares from you. The Bible says we have to cast our cares over on him. To cast in the Greek language means this, to violently throw or to fling something with great force. Now, the word cares, just to help you understand what that means. In the Greek, and this is from Rick Renner's commentary on the Greek language in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, it says the word cares in the Greek means anxiety. However, in principle, it is described as any affliction, difficulty, hardship, misfortune, trouble, or complicated circumstance that arises as a result of problems that arise in our lives. Wow, let me say that to you again. Cares means anxiety. It means affliction, difficulties, hardship, misfortunes, troubles, or complicated circumstances that arise as a result of problems in our lives. Now, what the Bible says is that we cast. So what you're gonna have to do in your heart and in your own thinking is you're going to have to violently throw those worries, those anxieties, those concerns over on the Lord and let him carry them. Now, when we cast our cares upon the Lord, God's plan is that there's an exchange that takes place. In other words, you cast your cares over on him and he promises to bring this thing called peace into our lives. Now, let me read Psalm 55, verse 22 in the Passion Translation. It says this, so here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord and measureless grace will strengthen you. See, there will be something that comes upon you. It's called the anointing. It's called the power of God that will come on you and strengthen you and grace you and give you peace so that you can go through that situation and God can bring you victory in that situation and bring you out on the other side of it. 
That's what all that is about. Now, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew, the 11th chapter, verses 28 through 30. He said this. Now, see if you hear the exchange in this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And this is the Amplified, by the way. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you. Now, that implies that you give him all of your heavy laden and overburdened cares and so forth. But he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and meek and humble. Remember what humility is in heart and you will find rest, relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but is comfortable, gracious, and pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be borne. Now, I love the fact, let me read this to you again. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, that means, and meek, that means teachable, and humble, lowly in heart. In other words, I'm humbling myself. I don't think I can uh, I, I know I can't solve all my problems, so I'm going to let the one who, who can solve them handle them. And you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. Now, remember, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. And some of us are just so anxious. And listen, it's easy to get that way in the world that we live. You know, there's all kinds of noise and voices speaking to us. There's all kinds of pressures. There's all kinds of economic pressure, social pressure, all this type of thing to try and cause us to be everything but relieved and have ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for our souls. Some of our souls are so noisy right now and anxious, we can hardly stand it. That is not the will of God for your life. Let an exchange take place. Let Cast all of that over on the Lord. And, and as I said to you, you may have to do this more than once. You might have to do it more than once in a minute. But just cast all your cares over on him. Now here's a key, and here's what I want to leave you with today. Once you cast your cares on the Lord, don't pick them back up again. Once you have said, Father, in Jesus' name, I cast all of my worries, all of my care, all of my concern over on you, and I'm not going to worry about it anymore in Jesus' name. The problem is yours. Take it in the name of Jesus. And then if you're not mindful, five minutes from then, from praying that prayer, you'll be thinking about that problem again. And next thing you know, you're all caught up in worry and anxiety. What did you do? You picked it back up. You cast it over on the Lord, but you picked it back up. And here's the thing. He will let you pick it back up because he's not going to override your will. If you want to be God and solve your own problems, he'll let you try and let you fall flat on your face. Now, he doesn't want you to. 
but he has no choice because it's a decision that you make. So listen, when you roll the cares of your life over on the Lord, leave them there. Quit trying to pick them up. Quit trying to take them back and quit trying to solve your own problems. And to get your mind to shut up, you might have to say it <clears throat> over and over and over again. Lord, I cast my worries over on you. I cast my cares over on you. They belong to you. I'm not worrying about that anymore. In Jesus' name, two minutes. Lord, I am not going to worry about that anymore. I have cast my cares over on you. That problem belongs to you, Jesus, not me. And you might have to do that over and over and over again until your mind begins to quiet down and you begin to enter into that relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet. Some of you need some blessed quiet in your souls. And so I believe the Lord had me share these things with you today. And so I want to pray for you. If you're, if you're watching this and your, your mind is just going crazy. Your mind is just going 90 miles an hour. You're so burdened with worry and anxiety and it's affecting your health. It's affecting your relationships. I want to pray with you today. And I want you to make the decision. You're going to not only surrender your will to God's will, but you're going to cast all of your cares, all of your worries, all of your anxieties over on him. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, you said that if I would cast my cares over on you and humble myself, that you would provide rest and peace and ease and refreshment and recreation for my soul. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I cast all of my care. Now, I want you to just see yourself throwing all of that worry and all that care over on him. Let it go. And so, Father, I cast that over on you right now in Jesus' name, and I leave it there. I leave it at your feet, Lord, and I believe that you, will give me wisdom as far as what my part is, and you will do your part to providing the victory and the solution to those problems. Thank you for it, Lord. Now I praise you for peace. I praise you for joy. I praise you for recreation and refreshment in my soul. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Now, I just sense in my spirit somebody prayed that prayer with me and peace is just washing over you right now. Now listen, you're gonna have to contend for that peace. The devil's gonna try and come and take that peace from you. Don't let him, don't let him have it. No, you hold fast to it. And if you have to, if you pick up the worry again, say, no, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent in, the G in Jesus' name and I cast that care over on you. That worry belongs to you, Jesus. And uh, just do that as often as you need to do it until you get the victory over that worry. Now, I hope this has been a blessing to you today. And I, I hope as we have 
gone into just these two types of prayer. And you can see the difference between these two types and the prayer of faith and, and how you pray these things differently than the prayer of faith. And, and you'll see in some of the other prayers how we pray those. But I want you again, the whole purpose for this series is for you to fall in love with prayer. And I believe one of the keys to, to that happening is for you to know how to pray. Now, here's what I'm excited about. At the latter part, the end of this series, I'm gonna get real practical with you and I'm gonna show you how to develop your own prayer life and to begin and deepen your relationship with God in prayer. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.